the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We talk about issues of the day from a Christian perspective, and we'd like to get your perspective as well. The number is 888-528-2557. You know, it's an interesting situation when we talk about the political uh, season, because that officially began yesterday in Iowa, and the season's been going on a long time, right? But the first actual votes happened yesterday in Iowa, and I was wishing that I had predicted on the show yesterday, because I would have got it right. I predicted, obviously, Trump to win, and then DeSantis second, Nikki Haley third, and uh, Ramaswamy to come in fourth. And uh, Asa Hutchinson, I didn't predict, was even still in the race. Apparently he was. Might be bad news for you today if you're a uh, Asa Hutchinson supporter because he did officially drop out today. Maybe you were unaware that he was still in. Um, you know, you got any thoughts about it? It is, I think it definitely means Donald Trump uh, is ahead. I think obviously will probably be the Republican nominee, barring, you know, whoever knows what might happen in this political season. And uh, here's what some of the people had to say afterward. This is Donald Trump speaking. And uh, if you listen to his speech, it was, uh, you know, typical Donald Trunch, Trump 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 uh, victory speech, which usually is pretty good, right? He he uh, referred to Ron and Nikki and not their uh, Trump nicknames. He kind of comes out of that character a lot of the time. And then he had uh, some things to say about what he's planning to do in the general campaign. Drill, baby, drill right away. Drill, baby, drill. We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. It's a very bad thing. I think it's a group of people that are probably larger in number than New York State. And we can't have that. We can't have that. It's not sustainable as a country. It's horrible. And so he goes on to talk about uh, the big issues that are on the, uh, you know, if you poll people, what are the big issues? Economy, in immigration, crime. And uh, he talks about each one of those things. You know, a funny thing to me about Donald Trump is whenever he's talking about particularly crime or or different things in the cities, he notices things that are falling apart. I think that's because he's a builder, right? So he's talking about going, he makes these statements about how he's being dragged into court, right, in all these cities. And, but what he's observing during his process of going to court is how some of these cities are just full of crime and trash and getting dilapidated. And that's what he talks about. And we want a country of law and order. So we're going to rebuild the capital of our country, Washington, D.C. We're going to scrub those beautiful marble columns and get the swastikas off them. And we're going to scrub them and get the graffiti off them. And we're going to clean the streets and we're going to rebuild the streets. And we're not going to have rusted medians 
through the middle that are falling down into the roads where foreign dignitaries from all over the world come and they look. And we're not going to be riding on top of garbage like I did just a month ago, riding on top of garbage. We're going to rebuild our beautiful Washington, D.C., and we're going to take control of it, and we're going to make unbelievably harsh penalties for people that go around shooting. So he just kind of goes in and out, but he's talking about the streets and how messed up they are. I remember in the 2016 when he ran, one of his big gripes was the condition of our airports. And I got to say, I agree. The airports are a mess. I mean, why do we have, you go sometimes to some, there's a few really nice airports. I think there's a federal uh, law, though, that says that every international airport in the United States has to be under construction at all times. I mean, do you know one that's not under construction somewhere? They're always being built and it's always a mess. But I've been to some airports in different places in the world that are clean, that are just finished, that are just really nice. And it's funny to me because I think that really bugs him. And uh, I don't know if he's got a point or not, but there's something about that that uh, really bothers him. And then he talked about this and how people in Iowa, and this is being interesting, too, about different parts of the country that has to be paid attention to. Winning candidates are going to realize that Elections are always local, and the issues in Iowa are different than the issues in New York. Here's how Donald Trump put that. In Iowa, you don't know what that means, but I'll tell you, this is a different place. You don't know about crime. You don't know about getting mugged and getting whacked and getting thrown into subways. And we're going to stop it, and we're going to come down very hard on criminals, and we're going to stop crime in America. You don't know about this in Iowa. You don't know about getting mugged or getting whacked. How many people actually know about getting whacked or falling into subways, that kind of stuff? Anyway, that's uh, what he did. And I think he's correctly, uh, politically speaking, turning towards the general election, which he you know, always has. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Ron DeSantis came in second place. He's, I wish I would have said that yesterday because I thought that was the prediction. Everyone is saying Nikki Haley. He came in a distant second, though. It's, you know, Second place in Iowa used to mean you're in really good shape. Um, but when you're, you know, 20, 30 points behind, which has never been done, you know, the record, the record was 12, the record victory for a candidate in Iowa was 12 points. And yesterday, uh, it was about 30 points. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote, but they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting Uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. And so he'll go to New Hampshire, where he's not doing too well. Nikki Haley's doing a little better, but still uh, behind her. She is something that politicians also do. She came in third. But listen to how she spins the Iowa election to her favor, okay? I can safely say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Wait a minute. How did they do that if you came in third? See, I thought <laughs> it's just it's just a political thing, right? They, there's some com- there was a I came in second place speech, and it's meant to say that the third place person, DeSantis, needs to drop out. Uh, so that- I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two person race. And who are those two people actually? I suppose I you know she could do better she'll probably come in second in uh, new hampshire which is next week but uh 
and she's behind though in all of the rest of the states by by quite a lot. I don't know. Politics is just a uh, it's just a funny thing. You got to listen, you know, to what people say. Somewhere there was a meeting. The meeting was well, we came in third. We thought it was going to be second. Why don't you go out there and claim it's a two person race anyway? You know, just say it. There'll be a sound bite out there, and uh, you know, maybe people aren't even paying attention. They'll just hear that and think you came in second. It's a I don't know that that was the conversation. But there is something about it, you know, about politics in general that uh, feels icky, right? I mean, that is a a part of uh, the political world. I used to be in campaigns and uh, just local stuff, right? And I had to repent, you know, from some of it. Uh, And you laugh a lot, but, uh, you know, there are things that you just do and uh, you shouldn't do that. Ron DeSantis talked a little bit about something I think that is more important related to that issue. He talked about the issue of, of decency. And what I, what I learned by going around Iowa is that this country has a basic decency. We've got hardworking people, God-fearing people, patriotic people. You just don't see it every day because of all the nonsense that gets spewed out there by the media, by social media, all this other stuff. People want to have hope for this country's future. And that's what we represent. We represent a chance to reverse the madness that we've seen in this country, to reverse the decline of this country, and to give this country a new birth of freedom and a restoration of sanity. That's what we are going to do. You know, I think, you can tell me if you disagree with this. The number is 888-528-2557. How did you respond to uh, the race yesterday? 888-528-2557. I think that he's right, that actually the majority of American people are, you know, decent people. Uh, I'm not talking about good person, you know, type of things from a spiritual point of view. Okay, we're all, we're all, nobody's good. We all need a savior. That's what we believe as Christians. Uh, that we'll all fall short of the glory of God. But I think that your average person, And maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think your average person is not spending a whole lot of time talking about the the meanness or participating in the meanness of politics. I think many people are, but I think that the average person isn't. Am I right about that? I think the average person is not gearing up for civil war. I think the average person is irritated by the economy and the inflation and what it is, and they're hurt by it, and they pay attention to that. I think they are worried about the border, and they're worried about crime, and they're worried about the various issues of the day, and they're worried about leadership, and they have those concerns. I don't think I think there's a lot of people disconnected from all of it, which I think is a problem. But I don't think that most people are really at each other's throats. Am I wrong about that? You know, do you have people in your life who disagree with you, who maybe have a different opinion about uh, who you're going to vote for, Trump or Biden, or maybe a different opinion about uh, Donald Trump, a different opinion about any Joe Biden or any character? That do you? I think for some people it is interrupting their relationships, but I think for most people they're able to cope with that. Am I right or am I wrong about that? 888-528-2557. And I put that together because I think that we hear so much about how Americans are divided. And I talk about it a lot. We are divided. It bothers me, right? Looking at it in a, from a cultural perspective, a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's just true. That is, I think, our biggest problem politically is how divided we are. I was hearing somebody talk this morning about how incredibly divided Californians are. Uh, from each other on a lot of political issues. But I'm wondering if interpersonally, actually, on a day-to-day basis, we're all actually a lot more friendly with each other. Like we disagree, 
and we have significant opinions, and the division is certainly worse than it's been at different times, you know, acknowledging all that. I don't think that we are a people who is on the whole indecent or trying to be um, at each other's throat. I think that we're a people who needs to wake up to the fact that there's enough people who are that way that it's going to cause us all a problem. But I think that really matters. And then coming at this from a a Christian standpoint, you know, I was reading all these articles and so much is said in just about every magazine, every news station has some kind of article right now talking about how many evangelicals, however you define that, however they define that, because it's defined uh, you know, differently based on whatever political uh, point you're trying to make, uh, what their opinions are about Trump uh, and, and support of Donald Trump. Well, you know, what's interesting is about half, here's an interesting thing. So the Iowans who voted, um, about 38%, about a majority of them, according to CBS, are ev- consider themselves evangelical. Uh, and about half of those evangelicals supported Donald Trump. So that, to me, that says a quarter of the vote of the white evangelical, they say, uh, vote supported Donald Trump. But that means that a whole lot of other people supported Donald Trump also. Um, here's some of the headlines. Washington Post, uh, Trump's biggest Iowa gains in evangelical areas and uh, wins the cities. CNN, uh, Trump consolidates evangelical vote in Iowa. How does he consolidate it if half didn't vote for him? Why, CNN, why Trump's hold on evangelicals is so hard for DeSantis and Haley to break. Trump's Iowa, but see that what I'm getting at with this that is an interesting uh, and important thing here is I think there are questions that are worth us asking in politics for Christians about how we state opinions about different things. But we should also be aware that there is a, a political push to classify evangelicals as a certain thing, you know, whatever that is. Trump's uh, MSNBC, Trump's Iowa caucus win shows his power over evangelical voters. Well, half voted for him, but the other half divided between uh, Nikki Haley and um, and Ron DeSantis mostly. Uh, Business Insider, Iowa, first-time caucus goers, evangelicals will likely fuel Trump romp. Nobody knows that. Uh, you just go through all the headlines at just about every um, news magazine out there. You find something where this is stated. How do you feel about that as a Christian person? You know, how do you um, – do you feel like this is something that evangelical leaders should address better with respect to politics? It's an interesting problem because personally – I think that it's a problem for Christians when we excuse behaviors or issues that support our side, and we would attack if those same issues were on whatever the other side is. Like if there's an inconsistency, I think that's a problem for evangelicals. You know, I think evangelicals can, you know, Christians can talk about the lesser of two evils when there's a binary choice, okay? Whenever, uh, if this comes down to Trump and Biden in November— there are other choices. This year, you might have more choices than you've, than you've had since uh, the 90s, because you will likely have Robert uh, Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, will be on the ballot, and he's pulling 10 or 20 percent, depending on the poll. I think you're going to have uh, the No Labels Party, and Joe Manchin will be running. It sounds like he's going to run, potentially, with a Chris Christie or a Mitt Romney as the running mate. So it'll be a Democrat-Republican ticket. That'll be on the ballot. People, I think they might get enough uh, votes to show up at a debate, if there are any debates, which I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are not this year. 
Um, how do you decide as a Christian how to vote? You want to talk about that? Or is it just too sensitive? This is the Pastor Scott Show. Number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Things that concern me are the are inconsistencies with anything. And, you know, when either and both sides do this, right? If my side's doing it, it's okay. But if your side does it, it's bad. You can't do that. It has to be bad across the board if it's bad or good if it's good. You know, you have to be, I think you've got to be, when it comes to character and when it comes to policy, you've got to be consistent. You have to celebrate you know, the other side from how you vote if they uphold a policy you like, or if they do something that is right, or it turns out you were wrong about something and it turns out they were right. You know, how do we, in a culture, I think, that wants to divide us, a a media culture that is trying to divide us, a political culture, I think, that is trying to divide, and by us, I mean Americans and I mean uh, Christians in this, how do we deal with an issue where you ultimately probably have a binary choice, Biden or Trump or people? Or if you vote for a third party, people are going to accuse you of, of throwing away your vote or stuff, which personally I don't believe, by the way. I think that your vote is yours. You, It's yours. It's your right to cast it however you feel like is right. And if you vote for a third party, that's fine. That's Nobody owns your vote. The Democrats don't own your vote if you're a Democrat, and the Republicans don't own your vote if you're a Republican. You can vote how you want. And it's yours. So I, I don't like the argument that you're throwing away your vote. I get it because uh, if you th- vote third party, then maybe you're very, uh, you know, people are going to say, well, that's just a vote for the other side, whatever that is. But that's not actually how it is. Does that make sense? Actually, how it is is a politician should be trying to earn your vote. They shouldn't just count on it. They shouldn't just take it for granted. They should not, um, you know, just feel like because you're a member of a party that you have to vote for that party. I don't think you do. I think that's part of our problem, actually, is sometimes we just vote for our party. And sometimes we're voting for people who really don't uphold the values we have. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. You know, I think that there are some things that everybody, I was going to say Christians, but I think everybody needs to keep in mind that, that character does matter. And be careful in these races of accusing the other side of having bad character and your side of not having bad character, because there's character questions across the board that are there. And something I think that we need to be consistent about with politicians and leaders, but in every part of our life, is that character matters. Nobody's perfect and no one is going to have a perfect record. Everybody sins and everybody struggles with something. There's something that people uh, give in to temptation more than everybody has that, including your leaders, including your pastors, including everybody that you know who's a leader. But character does affect your whatever comes out of you eventually. It either can it either affects you because you do something wrong that your character flaw caused you to do, or your character flaw brings people maybe into your inner circle who otherwise wouldn't be here, and then they do something wrong that causes you harm. You know, does that make sense? It's there is some place where our whatever it is in our character that we aren't confessing that we're not repentant for, we're not penitent for. That somehow that's going to come out in our life. Somehow it will impact our life in one way or the other. Eight 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 nine two eight or five two eight. Don't call nine two eight. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Inet in Simi Valley. Is it Inet? Do I have that right? Yeah, Inet. Right. How are you? I, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for your show. You always 
never shy back from very difficult topics. <laughs> this is a hard one. I'm not sure people even want to talk about it, but uh, we have just a minute. I might have to carry you through the break, but why don't you get started? Yeah. So um, I, I think a lot of people don't understand why Christians, uh, a lot of Christians will vote for Trump. I know some do it because of the state of the country. But I also think there's people out there doing it because of international state. Um, I think uh, people believe that Trump would have a better conversation with Russia. Um, he also Saudi Arabia. Uh, he's the one that organized the Abraham Accords. His son-in-law is connected to Netanyahu and is Jewish, and so there's a connection with Israel yeah. in a and that, can you hold on? Can you hold on through the break? We got to take a break. So uh, I want to continue with that. And you know, I mean, people might have different opinions one way or the other. But people have a reason. I think most of the time that uh, yeah. uh, isn't just being a zombie. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. We'll be right back, Pastor Scott Show. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. We are talking about the uh, the political world and uh, maybe a difficult conversation, but one of those conversations that has to do with the media portraying evangelical voters in a certain way, mostly saying that almost that all evangelicals are going for Trump or something. But it's not really the case. Almost every headline is saying that. About half of the evangelicals who voted yesterday in Iowa voted for Trump, but the other half didn't, right? And Trump won half the vote, which says to me that there's a lot of demographics that you could pick that voted half for Trump, half for somebody else or other people, right? And, uh, it's it's interesting to me that there's so much pressure there. But one of the things is, how do we talk about it in a world where Christians are being looked at for their political choices very specifically? And sometimes Christians are inconsistent, particularly on character issues, if it's one person or another. You know, I think that's that matters a lot, character issues. Uh, if you decide that everybody's of bad character, you at least need to be consistent, right, with uh, what you think. Uh, before the break, we were talking to, um, is it Inet or is it Enet? I'm sorry. How do you say your name? Inet. Inet. Inet and Simi Valley. And you were talking about some of the reasons that people might choose to vote for Donald Trump. And you were talking about uh, issues in Israel and overseas. Why don't you go ahead and uh, reiterate what you said, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, so what I said was, a lot of people don't understand that maybe 50% of old evangelicals have a greater uh, agenda or purpose for choosing Trump, and that probably is Israel and the international situation that we have with Iran and uh, Yemen and uh, the the Abraham um, Accords, which was supposed to bring somewhat peace to Middle East, um, were uh, during uh, Trump's um, presidency, and mm-hmm. he was his his son-in-law was very responsible for putting that together. Yeah, the and Abraham now, Accords, for people who don't know, were a series of agreements between Israel and Arab countries that uh, were brokered by the United States. The idea was to normalize diplomatic and economic and cultural relationships between Israel and those countries. And it's a big deal because many of those countries, just like uh, 
you know, Hamas and what you're hearing, part of their founding is the idea that Israel shouldn't exist. So if you create a treaty where Saudi Arabia or United Arab Emirates or these countries acknowledge Israel's right to exist through diplomatic relations, it's a breakthrough. And the Trump administration was successful with that up to a point. So now you're faced with Russia being a problem, Syria being a problem, Iran having all these tentacles of, of Hamas and um, the the Golan Heights area, you know, up in northern Israel. Um, I can't think of the name right now. But, but all those problems, um, somebody needs to broker a deal with, with Russia over Syria and with Iran possibly over um, Gaza. And Trump's uh, son-in-law is related to Netanyahu. And um, therefore is Jewish and possibly, uh, I heard that his wife, um, Bianca, is also, what's her name? Ivanka. Ivanka Bianca. converted to Ivanka. Judaism when they got yeah, married. Do you feel like this is an issue, though, that is particular for evangelicals, or is it just more conservatives or Republican types? Yes, because that that group is growing to realize that Israel is God's chosen people and that they should support Israel. It even says, you know, in Scripture that Christ is going to return to Israel and the Mount of Olives. And, And more and more Christians are understanding that you know, the Ezekiel 38 passage about, you know, Gog being there and going against Israel. And so... um, Do you think think people feel like the other party is anti-Israel? Like from a Christian perspective, is that why? Of evangelicals? No, I think it's fear. I think a lot of evangelicals fear the situation with immigration and uh, terrorism and homelessness and the states of the street and the crime, and the crime is terrible. But, like, um, they see Trump as their savior because he's always proved himself to be strong, even though he's not that, I don't consider him that moral. But but he is strong and he does get things done, and, and that's how some people see him. Yeah, I think that is, uh, for a lot of people... That's the reason. And, you know, an interesting thing about why people would vote for anybody is it can be very nuanced, right? People have reasons why they vote for or against lots of candidates. And, uh, you know, how do we as Christians, how, you know, I think Christians get criticized for uh, or the, the media is trying to criticize Christians for supporting Trump or blame Christians maybe for Trump, even though half the Christians, uh, at least in Iowa, didn't vote for Trump. Uh why do you think that is, and how does a Christian respond to that kind of uh, criticism? Because he's not a moral person. Yeah. He lies. Does it help a Christian he to acknowledge that? Court all the time. Yes, I think to some people, moral values is extremely important. It, yeah. It's often how Christianity is, is perceived by people. Hmm. You know, to, to be helping the homeless. You don't hear him talking about the homeless and helping them, but you do with Biden. And I'm not taking sides here. I'm being very objective in what I'm saying and saying he cares about the state of the streets, does Trump, but he doesn't mention about homelessness being something that, you know, caring about exactly. I haven't heard him ever say that, and I might, I, I, I'd stand to be corrected. 
there's a difference in but, rhetoric, right? The rhetoric that people use yes, that the, has an impact, maybe more than the actual yes. policies. The policies make the yes. difference, but the rhetoric is what people hear and respond to very often, I think. Yes, yeah. yes. And he would just do it by force to get people off the street. Yeah. And I don't know what would happen to them. It, so I, I think... I think that's where there's a division, because Christians look at things just like we, everybody looks at things more important than others in their own sphere of experience. Yeah. That's how I explain it. And that has a lot to do with how people vote. Uh, Annette, I thank you very much for your, your call, and thanks for listening mm-hmm. to the Pastor Scott Show. I want to get to some other calls here. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Eric in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Um, all right, so I'd like to contribute to this issue. I mean, uh, it's very good you brought this up because my wife and I have been like, contemplating on who to vote for this time because we're both uh, registered Democrats. But uh, for the past few years, um, with the way things are going on in society, um, the Democrats have moved too much to the left, and some of their policies don't align with, uh, with our beliefs as Christians. And um, in regards to Donald Trump, I mean, um, yes, he has got some issues, like with moral issues and stuff. But as a Christian, um, we we don't have that much of option. You know, we don't mm. have any option now because, I mean, who am I going to vote for? I mean, it gets scary when you're a Christian, you see what goes on in society now. So, I mean, I believe most Christians are putting the moral side of uh, Trump aside and trying to vote for their faith and try to change things uh, as a Christian kind of view. Do you feel like yeah. it's kind of a lesser of two evils kind of vote for many people? Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. But, I mean, the, the, the most important thing is, like, um, as Christians, I mean, we, we should try as much as possible to make our voice be heard through the vote. You know, um, if not Trump, if DeSantis, that's good. But from the way things are going, I mean, as the previous caller said, a trans move more like um, stronger. You know, he has been a president before. People have seen what he did. Although he did achieve everything, but I mean, people have seen what he did, what he was able to achieve. So, I mean, a lot of people are trying to, I mean, like going for him for the second time so that things could become better. You know. Yeah, that's an interesting call. I think a lot of people have your perspective. Is it sort of like, well, you know, I got to look at it from a policy standpoint. If the, you know, if the character issues um, or behavior or just personality, you know, rubs me the wrong way, uh, what policies need to be instituted? Uh, a lot of people are going to vote that way. Eric, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Vernon and Lake Elsinore, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. I got Pastor. Uh, I just got a question. Uh, first of all, I'm either Democrat or Republican. I don't believe, I really don't believe in the system, a trusted system. I voted for Yahweh Yoshua a long time ago, so I, str- I truly trust in God. Mm. I never read anywhere in the Bible where it says any man that's off is going to make this world better. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but one of my things is I, when Trump got this little saying, make America great again, I really want to know what does he mean by that? When was America great and who was it great for? It surely wasn't great for the Indians. And it hasn't been great for blacks. So I would like to really know, what does that slogan mean? Because if I'm missing something, I'm going to go buy me a hat today. (laughs) Make America great again. Make America great again. Can someone please explain that to me? Because besides that, I understand when Satan got kicked out of heaven, he came here. So this world is governed by Satan. So I have no, again, I have never read anywhere in the Bible where it says any man in this office is going to make this world better. It's not. Things are going to get worse. But I just trip off of that saying, make America great again. Yeah. And when, 
All right. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> you have someone in the car who wants to uh, chime in. Like, who are you talking to? No, it's my mother. No, it's my mother-in-law. I was taking her to the, to the doctor right now for a checkup. She's 82 years, 82 years 81. young, 81 years young, strong Christian. <laughs> so I'm going to take her to the hospital right now. So you can say a prayer for her. Her name is Ann Clayton. Just say a little prayer for her. Hey, and, God, um, I'll do that real quick here. God, I pray for Ann Clayton. I pray that you would just uh, give her healing and comfort as she goes into her doctor's appointment and that everything goes well. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Hey. If you can find that question and answer for that, make America great again. All Thank right. You. Hey, Vernon. All right. Thank you. I pre- appreciate that very much. we got to go to a break here in a second. You know, one of the things I'll begin with, though, is that we he makes a point that is right, that at the end of the day, no country and no system is going to solve the problems of the world. All of them are going to fail. And most people believe that the United States, that you don't find it in prophecy, that it either doesn't exist at the end times or it's irrelevant. Uh, it's failed, essentially, or it's just joined everybody else. Right. So that's, you know, the, the, wherever the United States is going isn't necessarily great. But we don't know when the time frame of that is. When we come back. Uh, maybe we'll get your thoughts on uh, what would make a country great? Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. We're talking about the election yesterday, Donald Trump's winning, and a lot of media reports about evangelicals' role with Donald Trump. And, you know, it's interesting. uh, Almost every newspaper or television show has some comment about it. But actually, evangelical support for Donald Trump is about the same in that election in Iowa as any other demographic. About uh, half of the evangelicals voted for him, but half he won half the state. So it's uh, interesting to to me, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. It's, a, it's an interesting subject for how does a Christian look at political candidates, and what about candidates whose flaws are very uh, open, um, and what are the thoughts about that? Before the break, we had a caller who uh, he asked about, he pointed out that no culture, no country is ultimately going to succeed. He's right about that. We talked about that, and there's no president who's going to be the savior of the country for any long period of time, because we know that at the end of time, countries fail. But the in the short term, you know, is there hope for our country? And he talked about the Make America Great Again slogan, and he wanted to know what that meant. Uh, has it ever been great? What does that mean to make it great? And that's an interesting, you know, philosophical question. You know, I would say that compared to other countries, it's easier to make that argument, regardless of who you are. There's a reason why right now when we have a border crisis, the reason People are coming from, I read, 168 countries so far. People from those countries have come into the United States. No other country in the world is having that problem. So even with all of our difficulties, people in the world seem to think this is a place, this is the place to be. With all of the flaws that we have, with all those troubles, you know, there is something about our country still that is attractive. And I think the idea of making America great is whatever gave us that attraction. I think one of the difficult things for us right now is that we are losing philosophically. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. We're losing philosophically the foundation for the things that gave us the freedom that we have that, you know, part of the foundation is that even where we have had terrible flaws with slavery and uh, we talked about Martin Luther King and the, and the civil rights movement and those things and the flaws that we've had, we have Martin Luther King and others 
upheld an ideal that all men are created equal, that we have certain inalienable rights given to us by the creator and not the government. And I would say that foundationally, what makes us maybe the greatest country ever, but not perfect, is that belief, that ideal that is grounded in something that is true, that our rights come from God, and that whenever rights are not given, when, when it's not fair, when the system is, however you look at it, uh, unfair or un, unjust, that that is a violation, violation of our own principles, our own foundation. And, uh, you know, can we get back to that? Uh, I don't know. I think that's one of the big questions. Uh, Bob and Rancho, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. Uh, just one real quick comment before I ask the question. Um, the guy who was wondering about, you know, make America great again, what does that mean? He probably should start with Bill Clinton because, in fact, uh, I believe that even uh, <clears throat> Reagan mentioned that as well. So it's not like Trump came up with it. No, he didn't. You know, in fact, uh, people, people forget that make America great again actually was Hillary Clinton's 2008 slogan for a while. In fact, somewhere I have a somewhere I have a I have a clip of Bill Clinton saying it. Elect Hillary and make America great again. Exactly. <laughs> At any rate, um, my uh, I just want to ask you a question before I make a statement. About what will make America, you know, better or whatever? And that is, do you believe in heaven that we that there will be evil people, evil philosophies? In other words. When we're in heaven, will there be people arguing, like, what is a woman? Uh, can I have an abortion? Things like that. Do you think that that's going to be going on in heaven, or do you think that Christ is going to separate the sheep from the goats? I think that every issue like that will be resolved, and whatever Jesus thinks will be accepted by everybody who's there. Even if you disagreed with some of that in this life, he died for that. But you will be corrected. Exactly. Now— to make America great again, my my proposal is to get rid of anybody that we separate the sheep from the goats. We basically take those who don't have a clue or agnostic, atheists, skeptics, um, you know, the whole doubting people of the world, and say, okay, fine, out. You can go out and live someplace else. Maybe we'll have a nice island for them to all go to or whatever. But I can't imagine if we got rid of all the nutcases that are around now and on the news media and everything else that are causing alleged problems. They're not problems for me. I understand what a woman is. I know what, you know, uh, you know, that abortion is wrong and there's certain basic Judeo-Christian beliefs that I hold on to, not because I'm a genius, but because God's a genius. Yeah. And when you read Romans chapter 1, it is very clear in there about God giving people over to a depraved mind. And that's what we're dealing with, which makes this country unbelievably unsatisfying to live in, at least for those of us who can see the difference between the forest through the trees. Well, and you know what, uh, Bob, I, I'd tell you a couple of things. You know, first of all, Jesus is the only one who gets to separate the sheep from the goats because he knows the heart. And I think that our job in the meantime is to be persuasive, right, to share the gospel, to teach what is the Bible says is true about male and female, about God creating us, those kinds of things, and to hold to those things. And I hate to say it, but if you really could just put uh, crazy people on an island, I think you would just discover that there's a lot of crazy people uh, still left. And that 
you know, at the end at the end of the day, we would find ways to have our own screwy philosophies get uprooted from our own brain. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think that biblical beliefs are screwy philosophies. They're not, but Christian but Christians have never held to it. I mean, even in this own, even in our own country, right, where we had the best philosophy ever in the Declaration of Independence, best in human history, right? We didn't offer that to people who were slaves. The slaves should have been freed immediately. But we came up, including Christians, came up with all kinds of reasons not to do that right away, and then we had to fight a war about it. And I think that well, we would find think? the same problem uh, because of sin and the fallenness of man. Uh, we would still have one problem after another. Does well, that make yeah, sense? but don't you believe that? Yeah, but don't you believe that the Christians, the evolutionists, were primarily Christians? Now, I'm not saying there were Christians that were on the wrong side of the slavery debate, but that's only because, and we don't understand their understanding of Scripture yeah. or anything like well, that. Well, God, God will know, judge, judge their heart at the end of the day, but we have to try to be persuasive and to be a people of humility and repentance. And I want to take some other calls, Bob. I appreciate it. And I think a lot of people kind of think about those kinds of things, but we have to realize that all of us fall short of the glory of God. Not everything that everybody believes, even the, your your best Christian, whoever you might think that is, is right about everything. You become right about everything when one day Jesus tells you. Um, but I, I think that our attitude needs to be about, you know, people who might be lost, about saving the lost, that that's the goal of Jesus Christ, that whatever he's doing, in fact, with the presidential race or politics or leaders. I believe full well that the, that God picks the leaders and he has his reasons, you know, and he picks all of them. He picked, he picked Joe Biden and he picked Donald Trump. And maybe the reason he picked Donald Trump is because Donald Trump put the United States embassy in Jerusalem from Tel Aviv and every president has always promised that, but Trump got it done. And that will somehow play a role in the end times because God is looking towards the redemption of the world. And I think that whatever God's reason is for Joe Biden being president, we may never understand that, but there is a reason for that. And it has to do with, at the end of the day, Christian, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached to the world so that everyone will hear it to all nations. That's God's agenda. His agenda is not one country over another, except he has promises to Israel that I believe he will keep and uh, fulfill those things. But even that is all about the salvation of mankind through Jesus Christ. And we've got to focus on that. Whatever you think about the politics of, of all of this, and it it matters, and I think it matters to citizens. You know, I don't like the direction our country is going. I don't like it that um, you know, we're changing the definition of woman, and I don't like it that suddenly men can have babies, and I don't like that there's pornography in the schools. I don't like it that there are so many kids struggling to know how to read. I don't like the poverty that we have. I don't like how the system is stacked against, I think, people, the, the education system in inner cities uh, who need to learn how to read. That's how you get out of poverty is you get educated. We know that in every culture of the world. I don't like any of that. But at the end of the day, what I want is people to know Christ and I want our country to do well, but I also know in the back of my mind that one day God's plan is that the world will turn against itself and against Israel, and then there'll be an opportunity, I think, to confess Christ or not. Uh, and that's what ultimately matters. And as passionate as we are about these issues, as a Christian, the vision of Christ, the vision of God, is that we make disciples. The command of God is that we make disciples. And, you know, it shouldn't be lost on us that disciple-making seems to actually go better in countries where Christians are persecuted. 
I mean, just to be frank about that, that we're in countries where you don't have time to argue about any of this, because if we had this conversation on the air in most countries, even in some free democracies, we couldn't have this conversation on the radio in European countries without violating some law. And I would get arrested for even bringing it up. That's one of the things that's great about our country. But for our faith, we have to realize that there is no government, not even the gates of hell are going to prevail over it. I got a lot of calls here, and uh, I know this is a big deal. It's going to keep coming up here. So uh, Jason and Ted and Anna and uh, Havel and uh, others uh, will come back to this, uh, obviously, other times because uh, Donald Trump will be in the news and we'll have this election coming up. And I think the media is going to be pushing uh, evangelicals to something and even within ourselves. But we've got to, whatever the case is, realize that the command that Jesus gave us was to make disciples. And that begins with the people that God has placed in our life. And what I would say for us is however you vote or however you express your opinions about the political issues of the day, and as you know, if you listen, I think you should be expressing your opinion. I think that you should be out there. you got to do it in a way that is loving, that is considerate of a person's faith first, and you have to be doing it in a way that is persuasive. I think that's part of it, uh, and truthful, um, but that has to be the goal. So even if ultimately you know, we lose the political arguments, we're not going to lose the argument of the gospel. And that's what matters most. That's where our hope is. All right, everybody, we'll be back in just a minute with hour two of the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.